I invite you to turn with me to the letter to the Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. And we're taking this Christmas season to consider uh, the good news of Christ's coming through the first four verses of what is a sermon uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it's, it's more of a sermon than a letter uh, that's given. And so we have this opportunity to look back on it and over four weeks to just go through four verses because there is so much packed into the introduction of this message given in the first century uh, that we can then reflect on the goodness of who Jesus is uh, through it. And so we will have our, our normal services at 10 a.m. in December, but we also invite you, uh, if you're able, on Christmas Eve at 7 p.m. to join us for a full family candlelight service uh, on Christmas Eve at 7 p.m. Uh, as we'll continue exploring what is uh, here in Hebrews chapter 1. Bless you. We'll read the first four verses. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And that'll conclude our service, or not our service. Some of you would say amen if that was true. <laughs> That'll conclude our reading at the moment. We'll soon find out if that should have concluded our service or not. Uh, so we read all four verses, but it's packed. Um, the Apostle Paul said about himself that he often intentionally chose not to speak in lofty words of wisdom. He was someone who tried to make it as plain and simple as possible that anybody could understand. The author of this letter is a genius and writes in even just these four verses what is often regarded as some of the most polished writing we have in the Greek language as he takes the gift of his mind to say what could be said about Jesus. So we, we read all four, but we're just gonna look at the second half of the second verse for the purpose of today. Last week, we talked about the God who speaks and saw how he said that God had been speaking all throughout the prophets in the Old Testament and that now he has spoken to us by his one and only son. And because of that, his son is the one and only way to eternal life. And here, then, he goes on to say that that son through whom he has spoken is the appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So I've titled today's message, The Eternal Christ, because part of what we're getting here in Hebrews 1 is basically the Christmas story from heaven's perspective. This is the Christmas story from heaven's perspective. So in what we read, there was no mention of a journey to Bethlehem. There was no mention of whether or not there was room in an inn. There was no mention of shepherds in the field keeping watch by night. So many of the things that are familiar to us in Christmas, all of that is true. We hear all those details in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But here, what the author is helping us to understand is to see how all of that that happened actually was viewed from the perspective of heaven itself. 
so that we would be uh, amazed all over again at the story of the journey to Bethlehem and the shepherds in the field, that we would just realize who it really was that they were celebrating, that even they could not have had a full appreciation for at the time. But as they grew in their understanding of who this child really was, it just makes us wonder all the more that he came and that he came in such humble circumstances. And so what the author of this message is telling us is not the journey to Bethlehem, but the journey from heaven to earth. The journey from eternity into time. This is the cosmic Christ, the eternal Christ who has come. And if we have eyes of faith to see it, uh, we will see all the more where, our, uh, where the blessing is for us in the celebration of Christmas, to see it from heaven's perspective. Because the burden of this whole message is to communicate to everybody listening that Jesus is superior, that Jesus is better than anything else that's offered to you. So there's some things in our world that we look at and we say, okay, this I think is good and this is like bad. And hopefully we have the maturity to choose what is good and say no to what is bad. But there's also plenty times in life and if many times more often and not that we're confronted with choices of, okay, this might be good, but I think this is better. And this might be better, but I think this is actually the best. And that's where we real, need real discernment. And the burden of this message is to tell each and every one of us that Jesus is the best. He's the supreme. He's the superior. Entrusting your heart and your eternity to anything or anyone else will be less than because Jesus is the greatest. He's the best. He's the most worthy of your and my faith. Uh, we've had in our own home, uh, not COVID this week, we've had the other sicknesses that people have uh, and had long before COVID in, uh, I don't even know what it is, but they've been passing it down to each other. Nobody's had a fever for more than 48 hours in my house, so I am here today. But all of our kids have been sick throughout the week uh, of various things, and they've passed it on to each other. So we had to divide and conquer, and so Amy on Friday night was like, I'll take Joshua because he's probably going to be up a lot in the night, and I'll be able to help him with this. So you take Levi and David, and you sleep with them. So our whole sleeping arrangement's been uh, different and messed up. And on Friday night, at about midnight, I heard my youngest, he's four, he's starting to cough. And so I wake up, but I'm like, okay, that's not a big enough cough for like him to start waking up. But he just kept coughing and just kept coughing. I'm like, that's going to wake him up eventually. And eventually it woke him up. And so then he sat up and he's like, daddy, I need water. And I was like, okay. So I went downstairs and got water and got it up and he drank it, but he was still coughing. And I'm like, I need to like sit up because I don't think it's good for him to be flat. But the way our headboard is and the way our ceiling goes I'm, I can't actually sit real well in it so I tried to get myself in like as much of a sitting position as I can so I could lift him up on me and he's finally leaning on me and he's finally done coughing and I'm like yes okay this is really uncomfortable so I need him to fall asleep quickly so I can lay him back down so I can go to sleep but I think I figured this out and so then he says daddy and then I'm like waiting for a you know thank you or something but he goes daddy I just think it would be more better if mommy was taking care of me. <laughs> I 
It's like, yeah, it's probably true, but you're stuck with me because your other brother's sicker than you are. So, um, but it was that sense of like, Dad, you're not a total failure, but there is a more better option, like, out there. And that's the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us there are good things out there. There are things that will satisfy you for a while, but there's only one thing that can satisfy the longings of your heart forever. And he has no desire to waste your time or mine offering us lesser things, but to say, pursue the best thing, the greatest thing that's out there. Consider this from heaven's perspective. And so it wasn't just that uh, the angels, uh, you know, sang and the shepherds got to hear the announcement of the coming of the king, but those very angels knew that the one who came was more superior than them. Part of their praising in the sky was this awareness that this is, this is unique. This is not just like any other baby that's born. We celebrate every gift of life in this world, but this one was different. Then we get a glimpse of it in the wise men from the east for whenever they finally arrived and they had these extravagant gifts to give. And Mary and Joseph would have been just in awe of why would you have this level of generosity over our child that's born and so we got glimpses of it along the way in the story but as we learn more about Jesus as we see his ministry unfold it only uh, shows us just how worthy he really is of our affection and our trust And so when we don't stop at just the Christmas story, but continue reading the rest of the story, we can gain the sort of heaven's perspective on what really happened in that Christmas season. And the first thing he then tells us is that Jesus is the appointed heir of all things. This Jesus, who is the final word from the Father, who has spoken to us, who has come, is the appointed heir of all things. This is talking about destiny, the future. So it wasn't just worship that took place at his birth from the angels in the sky or the wise men who then came from the east, but there is coming a day when from every tribe, tongue, and nation, they will worship him. He's going to inherit all of it, is what he's saying. That's who's coming we're celebrating. He came at a point in time, but he will be the one before whom we all stand at the end of time. And when you really come to believe that about him, it gives us what we need to have faith that even if we don't see each part of that story unfold, we're part of it and we believe it's really going to happen. So that when Jesus' parents uh, eventually, after a, a week, bring him to the temple to dedicate him, there's Simeon standing there, and he sees this baby, and he says, basically, I can go in peace. It would be okay now if I die. Well, why? Because you saw all of it? No, 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 he didn't see all of it. He only saw, like, the very, very beginning of it. But he had the faith that as he saw the beginning unfold, that God was going to complete what he started. So much so that he was like, I don't even have to be around to see it. Like, I know it's going to happen. I know he's going to do it. 
if he has kept his word up to this point, he's going to keep his word. And so he could celebrate in the joy of what happened, even though he didn't see it all unfold. It would have been the same for Joseph. We don't know at what point in our Savior's life his father died. But his father wasn't there to see his adult life unfold. But still, he had no less ability as he heard the praise from other people, as he saw the wise men from the east to realize God has begun something that he's going to finish. He has started something that he will see all the way through. None of those shepherds that would have uh, come to see this baby born were likely there when Christ died on the cross. Even his mother Mary, when he was up on the cross, would have been struggling to understand, I'm just not sure how this is really going to end. <laughs> I don't know exactly what his plan is. But at each point in time, there's this reaffirmation that he's going to keep his promises. He's going to follow through. When it seems like all hope is lost, he's going to find a way to bring something new because the one who has come is already the appointed heir of all things. And that's the confidence we're supposed to gain as we look at the Christmas story from heaven's perspective. We don't know how long we'll be here. We don't know how much of the story we'll get to see unfold. None of us know that. But we can know enough to give us the confidence and the faith to believe that he is going to continue to be the same God, which is what he says later in the sermon, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's going to come through, that he is the eternal Christ, that he's, he's going to be there in the end to welcome us all home. He's going to be there in the future. Some of us might have the sense of anticipation that it's going to be soon or it might be a long time. But all of us, if we're willing to consider what scripture says about him should have that sense of joy and confidence that he's going to see his promises all the way through and we see that by faith I mean I'm not, I'm not standing this uh, to you this morning saying this uh, ignorant of all of the challenges that are going on in our world like I am saying this like feeling like I'm in the middle of it so that yesterday all day I'm having conversations with my kids who are saying you know we have a grandmother and we have an Oma but right now we only have one Opa and we don't want to lose him and I have to look at them and say I don't want you to lose him either because I'm still really sad you lost your grandpa and so we're going to pray but here's what we know Here's what we believe, that my dad is with him and he's with all of us. That's what we believe. That's the good news that we celebrate and we believe the whole world needs that because the uncertainty of this and the challenge of this is hard enough. And so we need 
help and hope from outside of ourselves to say, is there someone who can be up there with all of them and somehow down here in the midst of all of this? Who do you put your faith in to do that? Who do you trust to be able to handle all of that? I can't handle all of it. I don't think you can handle all of it. I hope you don't take that as an insult. I don't think all of us together can handle that. So who do we look to for hope? The author of this message is saying, look to the one who is the appointed heir of all things. Know what each and every one of our destiny ultimately is. It is to stand before him. And so it's not simply that we will one day be in his presence, but it is that we are already in his presence. And so we should be seeking to honor him, to be humble before him, to be open to whatever he has for us for however many days he gives us because he's the one before whom we'll stand when all of our days are done. And then he takes us, he goes forward and then he goes back. He says, so he's the appointed heir of all things and he's also the creator of the whole world. So Jesus, the heir of all things and Jesus, the creator of the world. This is amazing. This is, wait a minute. You mean his story didn't start in Bethlehem? No, <laughs> it didn't. Uh, he came from heaven to earth. He uh, was born at a point in time. We celebrate that we are in the 2021st year of our Lord. But what we're celebrating is that the one who was born was actually the one who made it all the creator of the world. That's how John's gospel opens, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and not anything was made that was not made through him. Really? He made all of this? Yes. He created us. So it's not just that he's here on purpose, it's that you're here on purpose and I'm here on purpose. That we're not just a random uh, accident to be here. Whatever challenges we might face and whatever struggles and uncertainties might remain, he's now taking us back to say, whenever you doubt why you're here, if you matter, the one who is the appointed heir of all things for before whom we'll stand is the one who said yes to you and me being here, is the one who said yes to you and me existing, is the creative one who brought us here. And he didn't have to do that. And nobody made him do that. Out of love, he created the world. Out of joy, he made it. And so out of love, he came into the world to save what he had already made. Because it was his, because he cherished it, because he loved it. And so whether we look forward to our destiny or back to our history, we believe that the Christ who has come is the sovereign one over all of that. And that's why we sing for joy. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're not exaggerating when we say the heavens roar and the angels sing at the one who was born and the one that we celebrate. Do you have that faith in him? That for everything you don't know about the future, you can entrust it to him? And for everything that you wonder about and why you're here or how you got here, that he's prepared to share his love with you, his purpose in you being here, and in you knowing him, to enter into the joy 
that he has, that for all those moments that you think you're alone, that you're not. And so yesterday we were then trying to think as a family of like what, just there's so much we can't do, so what can we do? And, um, and to be an encouragement. Um, and so we had the kids make different cards and make different drawings and just kept sending stuff and sending stuff. And so then I said, Levi, it'd also be good maybe if we find, he has like a devotional book by Sally Lloyd-Jones called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. And I said, what if we find maybe something in there that you think would be just really encouraging to hear and we can send it and we can send it to Oma and she can play it for Opa while he's in the room. And so we found one based on Psalm 139. And so uh, here's Sally Lloyd-Jones narrated by my son reflecting on the wonder of our creation expressed in Psalm 139. Did you just end up here on earth? Was it all an accident? The Bible says it wasn't a mistake or an accident. It was a plan. You didn't just end up here. God put you here on purpose. God wanted you here. And he had to have you here right now because he has a wonderful plan for you, something that only you can do. Every single thing about you, the color of your eyes, your name, what you love, every day you will live, God knew before time began. Even before you were born, he loved you. You began in God's heart. You are his, made by him, made for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into the throne room of the one who is the heir of all things and the one who created each and every person in this room. We thank you that you know the number of our days. You know the thoughts that are in our minds. You know all those times that we've put our trust or our faith in lesser things, hoping that another person or a new relationship or a different job or a different political figure, if any of those things would sort of be the answers to our heart's ultimate longings. And that you grieve every time we put our trust in someone or something other than you. That we would ever give our trust to anyone that does not love us the way you do. And so we pray that you would help us to repent from that. Help us to realize that you are way more better. And that you are the best and the greatest. Help us to see you and all of your glory and to not miss any of it in the beautiful, humble simplicity of the manger in Bethlehem or in knowing the names of your parents here on earth or the towns that you lived in. Uh, help our faith to only rise in wonder at just how great and glorious and kind you are. In Jesus' name we pray.